Hello and welcome to Conversations with Consultants. Whether you're an aspiring consultant, a veteran in the industry, or somewhere in between, we're sure this is the right podcast for you. Throughout our episodes, we'll be bringing you conversations with some of the most accomplished consultants. In short, these conversations will shine light on their career paths, starting from their first steps in the industry, right up until their current work today. So if that sounds good, grab a coffee, sit back and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Consultants. My name is Barry O'Sullivan and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm delighted today to be joined by Dr. Sarka McKenna. Sarka is a partner at McKinsey and & Company and leader of the McKinsey Dublin office. She joined in 2003 and her work focuses on organisational change in healthcare. Sarka led work on an approach to improve access to primary care in the UK that led to significant improvements in patient access and satisfaction and which underpins the national approach to addressing GP access. In addition to publishing and presenting on these topics, Sarka also convenes a global group of leading practitioners to share perspectives on successes and the future of integrated care. Before joining McKinsey & Company, Sarka obtained a degree in microbiology and a PhD in molecular microbiology from Trinity College Dublin. Outside of her work with McKinsey & Company, Sarka is chairperson of the community platform ChangeX. Sarka, thank you for joining us today. No problem, great to be here. So Sarka, um, what we typically do with our guests is we go back to the, the very beginning of their career, um, just before they, they joined the consulting industry. So you were in Trinity College, uh, you did an undergraduate degree, um, and then you studied for a PhD in microbiology. So when you began your PhD, was it your intention to kind of carve a career out in academia, or did you see it as a stepping stone into consulting? No, I definitely didn't. I wasn't considering consulting at all as a career, I would say. I um, I did. I, I think I wanted to be an academic. I wouldn't say I was particularly focused on what I was going to do after my PhD, but in my mind, I think I wanted to be an academic. My dad was an academic, and so it was probably the only career path that I knew. And I was really interested in, and loved the work that I was doing um, and what I was learning in science. So I was excited to, to study more. So yeah, I think, I think in my mind, I was looking at an academic path, but I wouldn't say I was particularly focused one way or the other, if I'm honest. I was just interested to keep doing what I was doing and, and enjoying it. And so just as a follow-up from that, was there a certain point during your PhD that you thought, okay, I need to, I'm not going into academia and I actually do want to go into consulting? Yeah, I think there was a couple of things. Yeah, I think, I think what I realised was that I really loved, so I loved doing experiments for the first time. I really enjoyed that. I really loved the theory. I still love the theory of science. But I think what I realized was that I, I, I didn't enjoy repeating them as many times as I need to repeat them for it to be statistically significant. And I also, as I learned more about the academic path, for me, it felt that at that time, which is a long time ago, it's 18 years ago now, it, it felt like it was a difficult path, actually, to make work if you wanted to have a family, for example. And it, it didn't appeal in the same way once I thought about the practicalities of being an academic. It felt that you would not have clarity on where your next role would be and I just couldn't I, I don't think I could get my head around what it would take to be successful in that career and so for those two reasons I, I realized that I wanted to leave the academic path. And then when you joined McKinsey obviously you had uh, seven years of, of straight education behind you uh, all of which were science focused so did you kind of find it difficult when you first started to kind of switch your perspective from being very research and academic focused to being about you know dealing with clients and, and working within the firm was that a difficult shift for you to make? It's an interesting one, I think. And I think the fact that I've been here for a very long time means it was probably the right move. 
And so what I thought was, it's very different, right? So it's very, very different. But very helpfully, I got a lot of training before I started. So I got to do a mini MBA, which sort of educated me on how to read a balance sheet and other things that I had no idea about. But actually, you know, consulting work is very varied. And so having not having a background in business or not having a background in the specific area that you're working in, is it, it's not expected. And you get a lot of help from the people around you. And actually, that's one of the things that I really loved when I joined the firm is that there, you know, you get so much support, you get so much education. There is always a training program that you can do to help you understand more about what you're trying to learn about. And people don't expect you, particularly in the early days, to come into a project knowing what you're doing or knowing in detail the topic that you're working on. You're expected to get up to speed quickly, but but that actually I quite liked. So what I would say is that it is, a pretty big shift for someone who's been doing research and which is very focused on bottom up and naming the details to move into consulting where actually you have to take, you know, a more top down approach to trying to find the answer. You're under much more time pressure. And that's a bit of a shift. And that took me a while, I would say, to make. So, so as you've just kind of touched on, uh, the first couple of years in consulting, they're very formative and they're very fast paced. So in your early years, could you kind of think of maybe one or two particular projects you might have worked on, which were great for you in terms of growth and development? Yeah, sure. So I think probably the most formative study would be my first one, which is where you sort of have that full culture shock and start to learn what consulting is about and how what you need to do to be successful there. And I was really, really lucky. I was put on a study which I had a fantastic manager or engagement manager. I had a fantastic group of people around me. And there were a couple of moments that I remember thinking, actually, this I have made the right decision because I was pretty unsure so, you know, it was one of those studies which was very fast paced. It was working with a great client and it required me to learn a whole lot very, very quickly. So I had to teach myself Visual Basic um, or at least, you know, find the resources that would help me to learn Visual Basic so I could do some coding, which was required for the role that I was in. And I actually found that really exciting because it was learning at a pace that I think I hadn't been doing um, when I was coming to the end of my PhD. And it felt really exciting to be doing something new and learning so much about a topic that I hadn't hadn't known about before. And so I realized that actually I really enjoy that. The second thing that I realized um, I really enjoyed was uh, working as a team, which again, as a PhD student, you're quite often on your own. And although you'd be working with a team, you do a lot of your work on your own. And I remember in one of the first problem solving sessions that I had with the team, which is a big team. So there was like uh, 12 people in it. Everyone was in the room. So I was the lowliest person, the newest joiner, and um, right up to the, to the partners who were involved. And what I loved was we had a problem that we needed to solve. I actually said something which I didn't expect to do, but it was one received really, really well. Everyone was like, oh, that's a great, you know, that's a great point, which felt good, right? Because I, I was nervous but the when I saw the power of putting together such a diverse group of people to solve a problem in a very structured way and where we came out it just I realized I could never have come up with that solution on my own I don't think anyone in the room could have and it was a really it gave me a huge amount of energy to be part of that process so again I felt like actually this is something that I really enjoy and I although I don't know a lot about it I'm starting to have the kind of skills to be able to contribute and I I want to keep doing that so that was you know one very formative project there was lots of learnings about what I didn't know just to be very clear and I had a very steep learning curve in Excel and I made lots of mistakes but on the whole I I just found the whole process very energizing and 
the last thing I think about it that made me really feel like I had made the right decision was the people that I met and the support that I got. So when I came in to McKinsey, I was a bit terrified, to be honest, about all the talk of upper age and consulting, which felt very different to academia. And I sort of expected it to be a bit, you know, full of people with sharp elbows and that you would be very much expected to stand on your own two feet or fall. And actually, the support that I got from the people on the team, both during the study and in terms of learning the ropes, time they spent with me, teaching me how to do things, you know, just getting to know me, it was just fantastic. You know, and that was right from my manager, the associate that was on my team, who'd been, who was much more experienced than I, right up to the partner. Those people are actually still my friends. And they provided so much support that I really felt, actually, this is, you know, this is a team game. And that, for me, was a really good formative experience. I think the next most important one would probably be when I started doing healthcare work, which is sort of two years in, which is when you start to think about, you know, what are the areas you want to specialize in? And actually, I had not had deliberately done a whole kind of random walk of studies in different sectors, so I could learn as much as I as I could about different sectors and different areas. But when I started to work in healthcare, and it was in hospitals, I realized actually that it was great to be back doing something that I felt was genuinely, you know, making a contribution to society, which was one of the reasons that I, I got into science in the first place. And it was lovely to be able to come back to that. And that for me just cemented the path that I then wanted to take through the firm. Brilliant. So the next question is that McKinsey is obviously known for the caliber of people that it has within the firm. So I'm curious during those, maybe it was those early couple of years, or maybe it was later on as you progressed through the ranks, but was there any one particular consultant that you worked with that you said, they're fantastic. I want to model my approach off of them. It was way more than one. I'm afraid there were so many people who've helped me throughout my career that it would be hard to pick one, uh, just one. So, you know, and, and it's a real combination. So Virginia Simmons, who was the first partner that I worked with, she's now the managing partner for London, having been away in, in Chicago for many years. She was terrifically inspiring on my first study and she, for lots of different reasons. One, because she was just a genuinely nice person. And, you know, for someone coming in feeling fairly terrified, she was just, you know, she would sit down and have lunch with us and chat about her life. She's one of my very close friends now in the firm. But, you know, seeing the way she managed to be both a really nice person, but also sharp as a tack when it came to problem solving and, and delivering for the client was really inspiring. I have Vivian Hunt, who was a former managing partner of London, was someone I worked with in healthcare, who also I met on a training course, who was just incredibly good about creating opportunities for me and showing me how you could balance work with, you know, having a, a young family. There was uh, Martin Marcus, who was one of the leaders of the healthcare practice, who brought me into the healthcare practice and created a whole bunch of opportunities for me in that practice and really guided me through partnerships. So there's been so many people, I, I would say there's been at least 10 people at various different stages in my career. And those are people who were sort of more senior to me. There's also a bunch of people who are my peers who've just been incredible support as you go through, go through both life and, and work when things have been tough or when things have been good. So commiserating when things are tough and, and celebrating when things are great. So yes, it's been, there's been a lot of people who've been really, really helpful. So you've touched on already there that initially maybe what drew you to uh, the general area of science was belief that you would be making an impact on the world. So when it came to working in integrated care uh, with McKinsey, was that the same reason that you wanted to get involved in integrated care? Was it that greater purpose? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the reasons I got involved in healthcare. Integrated care was something that I got involved in because I was working a lot in, well, I did, there was a couple of things. One, 
I was working a lot in the out of hospital system and actually became really interested in how we could better take care of patients who are suffering from long-term conditions because, you know, healthcare systems are were set up uh, many years ago to look after people who have acute illnesses and get them into hospital and then make them better and send them home. Whereas obviously now we're in a very different time. Lots of people with chronic disease and, and the health systems need to change and, and integrated care is a big part of that. And I think it was as I was evolving, you know, in my role in consulting, this was an area that was really growing and it was an area that I was excited to do work in. I really liked the people that I met. I loved working in primary care and I sort of started to increase my the work that I did there and, and create a collective within the firm that was interested in this because obviously it's not just in the UK and Ireland but also internationally and, and there was a great group of us that did a lot of work in this area. So yeah, I think it was that sense that I I personally like to do work that I feel makes the world better. <laughs> and so that's been one of the things in, in healthcare that's been really important to me. And now more recently in the Dublin role, you know, working in areas around climate change, I think is also gives me that sense of um, trying to do something to make the world better. Fantastic. Sorry, some of the clients you've just been working with uh, for a long time now, they've probably had some of the most challenging months of their careers yeah. over the last kind of year. Can you just talk us through from your perspective how your work with clients has changed since the pandemic first hit? So it's changed in lots of different ways. So I think it, for for me personally and for the teams that I work with, obviously not being on site but working remotely is a, is a big change. And I think it, it's also a big change in how we relate to our clients because we're used to being there uh, working with them all the time as opposed to having to sort of uh, meet them remotely. And, and it's just, it's a different, I guess, interaction that you have I think we've all both us and indeed our clients have have adapted pretty well to that to the state that we sort of now know how to get together on zoom and can make meetings work uh, much more effectively than we did back at the beginning I think you know obviously this it's been a time of massive change and stress for our healthcare clients in particular you know and we've been doing a lot of work to try and provide analytics provide data to help them make the right decisions uh, around uh, how they how they respond to COVID um, in whatever role they're playing in the, in the health system but it's also been a huge pressure on them I mean you know if you think about the uh, working with doctors or or anyone in the system they have been under a massive amount of pressure and I think just being patient and sympathetic has been a big part of it and trying to make sure that we don't create any additional pressures beyond what they're doing but be as, as helpful and supportive as we can so in a remote sense so that's that's really how it's changed obviously it's changed very fundamentally but you know we've continued to work with our clients all the way through sure and as someone who's obviously been in consulting for for a long time though you've been in, in the industry through two major global crises obviously through the COVID-19 pandemic and during the, the global financial crisis so often with these crises there's you get a slew of books and articles that come out afterwards about the leaders who adapted very well to those crises, the ones that stood up and were counted, and then also the, the executives or the leaders who maybe struggled. So I'm interested in your, on your thoughts on this because obviously you're the office lead for, for Dublin and you're someone who you work with a lot of these uh, exemplary executives. So from what you've seen over the last 12 months, are there any kind of particular traits or behaviours that the people who've done very, very well dealing with the pandemic, is there anything in particular that they've exhibited behaviour-wise or, or action-wise that you've seen? Yeah, I think I think there are. So I think one of the things um, is, you know, actually just responding quickly and realizing that this is not a short term fix, but actually this this was something that was going to last, you know, 12 to 18 months. I think people who tried to 
patch things over and expected it to only be a couple of months really struggled because they they, they lost a lot of time. And the big shifts have been, you know, customers moving online, people not moving around in the same way, you know, the need for support in healthcare, et cetera. So depending on where you sit in in the system and what your business is, I think people who one moved fast to understand what the implications were and what the challenges for their organizations were going to be. So be that, you know, we need to have a whole lot of PPE in order to enable us to do our job, which was a big issue, you know, flagging that early and being able to manage that and source that, you know, we need to create distance so that people can actually come into the office. Lots of people, lots of offices had to close and there was lots of challenges there. Um, understanding how you get your people working remotely rather than having, you know, three, four, five week delays of people being able to work effectively remotely. So, and then understanding if you've had to close your, your edit, whatever you're selling, customers are going to need to buy things in a different way. So people who didn't respond to those challenges and spot those challenges very quickly really struggled. Right? And there were some industries that were just hit intrinsically, like uh, hospitality, which it's very difficult to adapt to. But other industries, there were lots of adaptations that you could you could take. And so understanding your business model in the future and preparing and actually uh, moving to that really swiftly has has made something some people I think successful or more relatively more successful than their their peers. And I think the other thing that's been really important is strong leadership, right? So strong leadership from the top in terms of responding, keeping morale up, making sure that people feel like their business leaders know what they're doing and are responding to the crisis and providing assurance that you know their roles are still going to be doable from home and providing or, or even if they're not providing assurance as to how how the business is going to keep itself buoyant throughout this crisis and then uh, you know come back afterwards so I think that that strong leadership has also been really really important keeping people positive maintaining momentum helping people to adapt to very uncertain and very difficult times in many cases sure I just want to switch gear uh, a small bit, Circa. Um, in 2017, you became the office lead in McKinsey Ireland. So obviously up until that stage, you, you, you'd been a partner and you'd been in the firm at a long time. So I'm just curious, how did your kind of day-to-day work change or how did your typical week change when you became the office lead of McKinsey Ireland? Fairly substantially, I would say. I, I was traveling quite a lot before that and that I wanted to shift role. So previously, I, you know, I have two young kids. Um, and so I was at that stage, I think, traveling in and around two nights a week to see various clients around Europe. And it had come to the point where I, I really felt like I wanted to shift gear and be able to spend more time at home. And so when I shifted to the to the Irish role, that did change very substantially. Now I still travel maybe a, a day a week, but it tends to be day trips or maybe one night rather than, you know, three days a week. And so I I tend to spend much more time on a couple of different areas. So much more time on thinking about our client platform in Ireland and how we make sure that we're serving the right people and meeting the right people, going out and meeting people, not necessarily in healthcare, right, but right across the spectrum of industries. And so obviously, that's quite an interesting experience for me. And I really enjoyed it, actually. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy is the ability to reinvent yourself in McKinsey uh, or any consultancy in terms of the things that you do. So while I still serve healthcare clients, I also serve lots of other types of clients. And that's been really interesting as it's forced me to sort of really think about my value proposition in, in those roles and how I, you know, make sure that I build relationships with people which are not just based on expertise. So that's been one change, I would say, the focus on client development, spending time going out, meeting people across different industries. 
Um, I think the other thing is the obviously it's more of a line manager role. So making sure that, you know, the people in the office are well taken care of, that everything's going well. So I already played a fair number of people leadership roles during my time in the firm, but, you know, managing an office, making sure that everyone within that office across lots of different roles are doing well. So, you know, sort of spending the time with them, understanding where they are, fixing issues when they arise, et cetera takes up another uh, chunk of time and then serving all of my the clients that, that I already served. And the last, and I would say least appealing bit is the sort of management of the office infrastructure. So like the uh, managing the finances, et cetera, which are a necessary evil, but uh, yeah, take up less time than I had feared, I think. Sure. And then obviously you've been in that role for three years now, and I think you're very well positioned to answer answer the next question. So just in general for consulting firms, where do you see the biggest opportunities being post-pandemic? And what would you see as maybe the biggest challenges that all consulting firms will face, you know, uh, as we emerge from the pandemic? Great question. So where do I see big opportunities? Well, there was always opportunities, I think, for firms like consultants when there's a big discontinuity, like the, the current crisis that we're in, because it means that businesses need to change their strategy. They need to change their operating model. And in many cases, they're looking for help to do that because it's a fundamental, you know, one of the reasons that businesses hire consultants is because they're sort of recognized that they're stuck in groupthink and they're looking for ideas as to how they, they step out of that and they want to make sure that they're doing the right things. And they also want to, you know, put a fact base behind that in a way that will enable them to make the right decisions. So I think there will be big opportunities, continue to be big opportunities for consultancies as they help, as they work with their clients. So that I think is an opportunity. And it's an exciting opportunity for us, right? Because I think it, it's it's a critical moment for these companies. And that's really when we want to be working with them to help shape and hopefully make sure that they're successful in the future. So that's the opportunity side. I think the challenges side is that we actually need to think about our own operating model, if I'm honest, because, you know, we traditionally would be right on site with people, you know, and that's one of the, the big benefits for our consultants is working with people. And I think one of the challenges we have now is how do we migrate back from remote working to, to what our new operating model is going to be? It's definitely not an insurmountable challenge, but I think we have to recognize that many people are going to want to work from home and many of our clients are going to want to work in a different way. And I think we need to still work out what that's going to look like. So I think that's going to be one of the challenges that we have as we migrate back. And I'm thinking about that value proposition for our people who are our greatest asset, right? I mean, frankly, a lot of our focus has to be how do we support our people to you know, be happy and be fulfilled and working from home. And I think we need to do the same as we think about our operating model in the future. Otherwise, we'll lose our best people, which we really don't want to do. Yeah, that's very interesting, Sarka. Touching it there already in a lot of consulting firms or even just in professional services firms in general, your, your biggest resource are, are your human resources. So, you know, over the last 17 years, you're still obviously very actively involved in McKinsey's recruitment for their Irish office, and you've been in the industry for so long. So, from your point of view, are there any kind of specific traits or qualities that would separate maybe, would you say like a good or an average consultant from someone that you would deem to be a very exceptional or, or a, a really excellent consultant? Well, the great thing is it's not just one set, right? <laughs> so the great thing, the thing that surprised me, I guess, when I joined consulting is I slightly expected a, a, it to be all cookie cutter um, people who were all the same. But actually, and this is way more true now than it was when I joined the firm, we have a much more diverse group of people. And I think what's great is that, you know, you can be really excellent uh, and exceptionally knowledgeable in one area and not not as wonderful in another. And you can still be successful because you've got a team around you. So, I, I mean, I think in terms of the things that I value, which, which are the things that I see 
people, you know, really successful consultants have, I think it is at the core of this is it's a relationship business. So in terms of being a, a consultant on the ground, it this is about being able to relate to people, being able to do that in a way, build relationships with them such that they want your advice, right? And they want to work with you again and again and again. So that ability to build relationships, to work successfully with people, absolutely critical. And you can be successful in McKinsey <laughs> without, without being distinctive at that, but it, it's a core consulting skill. And I think it's one that we certainly really put a lot of emphasis on. And I think the other one is, is honestly being able to work as part of a team, because again, it's core to what we do. So for me, the relational skills, which are the ones that really set people apart, Fantastic, uh, Sarka. So just kind of shift gear from, from consulting to look at, we'll say, general management. You know, it isn't unusual at all for very high achieving and very well-regarded consultants to leave the profession for a period of time uh, and to take management roles of companies. So you've been with McKinsey for a long time now. And I'm just, I suppose the first question is, is, is this something that's ever crossed your mind? Have you ever thought, you know, I want to take my expertise and apply it to a specific management role in a specific uh, industry? And if so, I'm just curious, if you were to ever make that transition, how do you think you would make that change from being a partner in a firm to taking a management role in a company? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I have thought about it lots of times and for lots of different reasons, I would say. So I have thought about taking line management roles. I've also thought about going out sort of in a more, I guess, freeform way. So having more of a portfolio career. But I think the appeal, and, and certainly as I see people, you know, cycle in and out of McKinsey, the appeal is really having something that you deliver, right? So you're in, intrinsically as a consultant, you are never the outside of McKinsey, you're not accountable for the work that you deliver, right? So you're accountable for the product that you deliver to your client, but you're not accountable for that being implemented. That's your client's role. So they would they they sort of own that and they get the, you know, realize the that vision that you've worked with them on. And and I think that is very, very appealing. That sort of sense of owning something end to end and, and delivering it yourself is very appealing. For me, I actually I, I have thought about this a couple of times. It's been not just in, in healthcare, which you would expect, but in, in other businesses. The honest answer is every time I have thought about this, I have weighed it against, and I think it's really important to do this. I've said, you know, am I making, am I passively staying at McKinsey because uh, I know it and I like it and, and it's something I know how to do, or am I, am I actively choosing to stay? And I think the reason I have not chosen to leave is because the, the points where I've considered uh, leaving for a management role, I, I think personally, uh, the pull of line management, I don't have that need uh, outside of McKinsey to sort of see see everything uh, delivered. And I feel like I get that through the relationships that I have with the clients over time. So I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing them deliver and be successful. And I don't have a, a burning need to feel like myself. So probably means I'm I'm a born consultant. And also the times where I have considered doing that, where I might have been in role for a while in McKinsey, are times that McKinsey has offered me an opportunity to pivot and do something different, whether that be take the Dublin role or, you know, uh, do something different in, in the sector that I was working in. So uh, I haven't felt like I've had to stand still, but I actually do feel like I've reinvented myself a number of different times. So I think what I'm saying in a roundabout way is, you know, one of the reasons that I would look outside is because I feel like I've been doing the same thing over and over again. And when I've looked outside, um, actually the appeal of that sort of line management ownership thing has never been as strong as the appeal of, of doing the new role that was offered to me in McKinsey, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, uh, Sarka. And I think um, that's a good note to end the kind of more serious questions on. So just before you go, I wanted to just fire off a, a couple of quick questions. You don't, you're not obliged to go into as much with these, but if you want to, feel free to. So just three or four quick ones to, to close. Yeah. So outside of work at McKinsey and outside of the consulting industry, what are your passions? So what do you really like to do when you when you time off? I don't get a lot of time off. Every... <laughs> no, that's not true. I, of course, get time off. But I, uh, I have two young kids, so I, I'll be honest that they are my passion. I love spending time with the boys and, and my weekends uh, are taken up with uh, doing things with them. I like keeping fit. Uh, so I run a good few times a week and I love to travel, particularly with my family. So, you know, heading away on trips to Rome or Paris or you know, going over summer holidays when eventually we are allowed to do these things again is the other thing that I love doing. So. Sure. Um, follow on from that. Is there any particular city you love or any particular country that would you see? Uh, well, I spent six months in Rome after I finished school uh, on my gap year. So I have a particular love for Rome. So yes, that's probably one of my favourite city in the world. Brilliant. So then I, I would imagine you're, you have to do a lot of reading in your, in your daily job, but I, I feel like consultants are, are people who enjoy reading in their spare time. It's just a, a common thread I seem to find. What are the best business and non-business books that you've read? So I'm not sure it qualifies as a business book, but it shows you my science aspect. I think the best business book I've read recently is Invisible Woman by Caroline Criado Perez, which talks about the way in which uh, data and analytics has evolved with largely programmed by men, you know, and, and the impact that that has on the lives of not just women, frankly, but also uh, ethnic minorities, etc. So I found that just fascinating to think about the impact of bias, which is something that I'm really interested in, in, in work um, on, you know, something that we tend to see as being completely factual, which is data and analytics. But the reality is that the programming that sits behind that carries all of the bias of the people who program it. So uh, I thought that was an amazing, amazing read. And it's a real eye-opener as to how you guide clients to make decisions, right? Because when you think about strategy and decision-making, a huge amount of that is de-biasing the decisions that you make and understanding the limitations that we all operate under. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, that's a but that's heavier than I think you wanted the answer to be. But that's, <laughs> my, that's my pick for business book. Non-business book, I think uh, my shamelessly... Uh, spend a lot of time reading historical mysteries <laughs> i'm very high class uh, but cj sansom probably my favorite author he writes uh you know, in the tudor times and it's just lovely escapism so yeah very well very good i don't, I don't think there's any shame in that don't worry um then just the last two to close on um so who would you say is the one executive or one business leader you admire most and, and why it's really tricky um i think it is I admire at the moment, I have to say, is in Ireland. It's David McRemnant, who's the CEO of Unpust. I think he's led an amazing transformation of that organization. And I think the way that they Unpust has sort of supported Irish communities through COVID has been really, really impressive. So I think his leadership of that organization through, you know, very difficult turnaround and uh, responding to the crisis so well has been really, really uh, impressive. Fantastic. And just to close, I think you might have, <laughs> what we discussed earlier in the conversation might kind of preempt this, but if you weren't a management consultant, what do you, what do you think you'd like to work as? Um, that's a terrifying thought, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, what do I think I'd like to work as? Uh, in all honesty, I think I would probably, I'm not sure where I would have, would have ended up, to be honest, if I hadn't done consulting. My intention was to go into pharma, but I think from where I am now, the skills that I have, I think it would be something around facilitation and coaching. 
Dostarka, thanks so much for your time today. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking with you. You've been very obliging with your answers and the time you've given us. So yeah, Dostarka, thanks so much for your time uh, and for the insight you've shared with our listeners. Not at all. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in, guys. To enjoy more conversations with consultants, be sure to hit the subscribe button. See you next time.